As moms, nobody has a greater dream and a greater passion to see your kid achieve all that they can achieve than you. As mamas, nobody has a greater influence, nobody has greater uh, passion to see your child fulfill who God has made them to be than you. And it's, this isn't a new thing. This is a thing that has been ever since mamas were having babies. And in Proverbs chapter 31, we see the advice of one mom given to her child, given to her son. So read with me Proverbs chapter 31, verses 1 through 9. The words, of, the words of King Lemuel. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those which destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Father, I ask that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to comprehend your purpose in giving us these words, your purpose in passing these down and protecting them through the generation to instruct us in righteousness, to train, correct, and reprove. In Jesus' name, amen. The words of King Lemuel. An oracle that his mother taught him. It's an interesting way to start off a proverb. It's interesting that it's actually in the verses and it's not just a a subheading. The reason it's in there is to give us context because it seems to be a little bit out of place with the rest of Proverbs 31, which speaks specifically about the virtuous woman. And here at the beginning of this, we see the virtues of of a leader, the virtues of a king. Many scholars believe that King Lemuel is actually another name for King Solomon. And Lemuel means dedicated to God. And so it makes sense to me because if, if, if he's known by his mother as Lemuel, then when he recounts it to other people, he'll recount it with fondness about, what, about how he was called and how he, it was given to him and how he would give it to others. In the same way, Forrest Gump on the bench in the next scene sits down. And says, Mama always said, life is like a box of chocolates. And so he's saying, this is what my mom said. She said, Lemuel, watch out. Lemuel, be careful. Lemuel, these are the things that are going to ensnare you. She saw the greatness of her son. She saw the potential of her son. She saw the, the destiny of her son. And she wanted to do her part in shaping him up to be able to stand against the temptations that would come against such a great man. Mamas, you see greatness in your children. Mamas, you see destiny in your children and and you have a privilege of shaping that and forming that and setting a trajectory and nobody will be able to do it as strongly as you. Or strong, I'll say nobody can do it more, more strongly than you. 
Meaning that there's a place where there's equal to but not greater than influence of a mom. We don't have to build our theology on the point of whether or not this is Solomon or whether or not this is another king. But what we do know is that this is the love of a mom that she has for her child. And so she's shaping him and developing him and warning him, hey, when you get there, there are going to be great temptations that come. And this is what I want you to stand on. This is what I want you to remember so that you can be great forever. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? It seems redundant, but she's highlighting a different aspect of their relationship in each part. My son, I'm your mama. Son of my womb, I birthed you. Son of my vows, I prayed for you and I believed God for you. I'm continuing to believe God for you. There are things spoken over your life. I dedicated you. It's very, she's appealing to her position. She's appealing to the sacrifice she's made to make him great. And she's appealing to the fact that she prayed over him for his lifetime. This is the Hebrew equivalent of, I brought you into this world. And I will take you out. That's the Hebrew equivalent. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, my son? I'm your mama. Listen to me. It's not a question, what are you doing? There's no expectation for a response in this moment. There's an expectation that he will listen because of what mama did for him. Saying all three names. King Lemuel. I guess you just, we don't have all three names, but she probably said all three. Lemuel, Sam, you know, Solomon, Jedediah. I brought you into this world and I'll take you out. So she says, listen to me, pay attention to me. What I have to say to you is important. It's significant. Save your strength. When you come into your power, you'll be able to have anything you want, any way that you want it. Save your strength. There will be temptation to give your strength to many women because they're going to give you lots of attention. To the high school equivalent, watch out for the cheerleader. That was offensive. I could tell by your faces. I didn't sound offensive in my head. <laughs> Watch out for the clarinet section. I, I don't. <laughs> Watch out for them. Don't put your effort and your strength there. Don't do it. It's, gonna, it's an empty bank account. They're going to want you for your money. They're going to want you for your power. They're going to suck you dry and you're going to give your strength, your energy, your attention, your effort to them and you're going to be left dry and unable to rule your kingdom. Don't give your strength to many women. In fact, store up your strength. It's not said here, but it's implied. Save your strength for one. Young men, save your strength for one woman. So that when you stand at the altar and you say, I do, you've got all of your strength stored up to lead and to love and to care for and to guide and to protect and to, and to lead into the will and the purposes of God. Don't give your strength to many women. Don't waste it on casual dating. Don't waste it on curious dating. But wait till you have wisdom to manage and negotiate and navigate these relationships with help. And this is the caution that mom is offering.
That is the way that destroys kings. And you can see it sure enough that men of power and men of influence get comfortable in their power and their influence and begin to think that they got themselves there. It's a result of their own strength. It's a result of their own goodness. It's a result of their own effort. And I pulled myself up to this position. And God slips into the, to, slips to the back burner or off the stove altogether. And the temptations of being a leader, the temptations of finding sufficiency and acceptance and getting attention and accolade and encouragement and inspiration falls to whoever can give it the most. You know, I, I was talking with somebody this last week and um, the reason that a man might be tempted to find his attention in other women is because the one closest to him doesn't give him fully what he wants. He called it the 80% rule. The woman you're with will be able to give you 80% of what you want. And so you see the 20% in, in somebody else. And I'm not here to argue 80% or 99% or anything else. But what you will find, even in a marriage relationship, is that your spouse isn't able to give you everything that you want from your spouse. Don't amen. Don't nod. Not on Mother's Day. You could just take her out to dinner. Pastor David's a liar. You are everything. Everything and more. I don't deserve you, baby. That's the language that we're looking for at lunch today when you, when you take her out. But that gap that exists in other people's relationships. <laughs> are we safer now? Are we, are we good? The gap that exists in other people's relationships is there so that they can be reminded about their dependency on God and they can't find it fully in one person. Now, what we do is we get distracted. We're like, oh, this person, other people get distracted and they say, my spouse isn't enough for me. I'm going to find it in someone else. But God didn't design it for that. He designed that gap so that we would find it only in him. Because he's the only one that will be able to satisfy the thing that we want the most. Oftentimes, the thing that we want from our spouse that we can't get is the thing that we're supposed to be getting from the Holy Spirit mostly and in the first place. There are things that my wife can't encourage me in. Or she can't encourage me enough in. And I'm like, I, I want to I be like, encourage me stronger. Use different words. That didn't work. I'm not encouraged. <laughs> right? And like, hey, I'm proud of you. Try something stronger. Like, why are you, how are you proud of me? Tell me how great I am. You know, and, and she'll try because she loves me and she's patient. But I'm like, ah, oh, it's not working. <laughs> and I'm broken. It's not her. I'm broken. And, and meanwhile, the Holy Spirit's like, come to me. I designed you. I gave you a purpose. I gave you a destiny. I created you. Listen to me. I want to encourage you. Otherwise, I'd make an idol out of Megan's encouragement to me and Megan's love of me and Megan's uh, pride of me. When God is the one that I should be finding all of that acceptance, all of that love, and all of that comfort from. Megan should only have to be a partner to the Holy Spirit and encouraging me and inspire me. Not the sole source of such. She says, stay sober-minded. Stay sober. I said sober-minded just in, you know, because it's broader than just alcohol. 
It's not for kings, O Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of the afflicted. Men of high status will be tempted in at least two different ways. One is that the pressures and the weight of leadership and ruling will grow to be too much and it gets too heavy and you're weighed down and you'll want to escape from it. The other temptation, and of course, uh, just... I'll pause there to say the place that we are to escape to when we feel the weight and the pressure of life and leadership and rulership and headship, the place we're supposed to escape to is the rest and the presence of God. Not to a bottle. The second temptation is now that you have the means to get it, you'll want to indulge in it and find satisfaction in it and drink to overflowing. You know, I, as I was preparing for the message, I can't get the picture out of my mind of, of uh, like after the World Series or after a major championship game, they're popping bottles of champagne and spraying it all over everybody. That's kind of, and then, and then everyone, you see this one guy on the team who's like, not going to do it, not going to drink. Because I don't want to give in to the things that are on the other side of all of this drinking, of all of this celebration, you know, and, and you know, Music idolizes this. Music makes this the sum. It makes the pinnacle of success is being able to buy as whatever alcohol you want and consume as much as you want. And there's no consequence for the life or the decision that you, the decisions that you make regarding alcohol. But we all know that that's not true on Sunday morning. <laughs> but, but we forget when it's Sunday afternoon or Tuesday morning or, or Thursday night. Saturday at the club. Not that anybody's ever been to a club before. It's not that alcohol is so wicked. It's that the stakes are so high. In his position of influence, it's not just that he would be ruined... It's that the people he's leading will miss out on the sober-minded wise king who's sharp and clear. They miss out on their king. You lose track of what's good and just. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and to one to those who are in bitter distress. Now, this isn't an apologetic that, that people who are in bitter distress should be getting drunk. Okay, it's saying that, that alcohol shouldn't be to, to, to numb you just because you have the means to do so. It's saying that, it, that alcohol can be used medicinally for those who would need it. But when you come to this place of influence, you're like, oh, I can have it, so I'm going to have it. And you become lustful and you'll become thinking about your own needs and your own desires and your own wants. And so I'm going to consume it at will as much as I want, whenever I want, however I want, with no consequence. And not even begin to consider the value of it for somebody else who has great need of it. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not about getting those who are in bitter distress, drunk. It's about easing it and using it medicinally and using it 
for a purpose, right? So there is a, there is a good purpose for this. Now, now we've got medicine, right? So if your friend has the flu, don't take him a bottle of Jack and be like, the Bible says. <laughs> it's tax season. <laughs> it's, it's saying, don't, don't gather it all up to yourself, for yourself, but see the purpose that it can be used for to care for other people. So think like a leader, not like a glutton. And that transitions us into this idea of strength being for service. This mama says, when you're so powerful, when you come to this place, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Open your mouth. You're not there for yourself. Which superhero says, with great power comes great responsibility? Is that Spider-Man? What? A lot of them? Spider-Man? I'm getting like mixed answers. I thought it was an easy question. Oh, okay. So they're giving me specifics. There's some superhero stuff. Son, 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 son. When you get there, don't forget the things that you saw on the street and pricked your heart as a child as not being right. You know those things that you saw as a child and you were like, that's not right. And then we grow up and we just, we're like, well, that's life. As a child, you were so compassionate when somebody skinned their knee. As a child, you were concerned when somebody was hurt. You were concerned when somebody had lack. You were concerned when somebody couldn't speak. You were concerned and you would open your mouth and speak on their behalf. And you would challenge it and you would call them up and you'd call them out. And you'd tell everybody, hey, this is a problem, this is a problem, this is a problem. And then it's so easy to get up and just accept it as life and to live in the palace of our own comfort and ignore the needs of the needy. Son, when you lead, don't do that. Resist that temptation. Resist that easier way of forgetting the needs of others. Resist that. Open your mouth for those who can't speak, for the rights of those who are destitute. She says, open your mouth twice to him. And I think sometimes we don't speak because we're not quite sure what to say. And this is a lesson as new as this week for me. Don't let not knowing what to say be the thing that keeps you from saying anything. Start to talk. Start speaking. Consider what you're saying. But don't stay quiet. Speak up. Start the conversation. And if you say it badly, try again. I do it every Sunday. <laughs> Thank you, JC. <laughs> but we got to do it all the time. When you see somebody unable to speak for themselves, speak for them. Be their voice. Be their advocate. You know, in in, in here, actually, Jesus is the true 
and better Lemuel. Jesus is our true and better Lemuel. By that I mean he came to the earth as the king of the universe. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word, right? We know that Jesus existed. We studied that a couple weeks ago. We know that he has existed forever. He became a child as the king of the universe, as the creator of everything. And he lived and walked among us as king. And he condescended to, to, to be raised by parents and to be raised by people and to be a peer to other kids. Can you imagine what that would be like? Knowing that you created everything? So he condescends and then, and he lives among us. And what he did as he lived is he didn't, he didn't give in to the fleshly temptations. He didn't, he didn't pursue the women, that, the women that other men so easily fall victim to. He resisted and overcame temptation at every point. He resisted and overcame sin at every point on our behalf. He stayed completely focused on the purpose of God for his life, on the purpose of the Father. He says, I don't do anything except for what I see the Father doing. And the Father's not chasing after some girls. He stayed critically focused on the mission. He stayed sober-minded. He stayed clear-minded. He stayed focused on what the Father was focused on. And he did not use his strength for his own benefit. The strength that he had, he used for the benefit of the whole world. The strength he had, he used for the benefit of everybody but himself. And in order to assure that we could have a voice, an intercessor, somebody to speak on our behalf to God because we can't speak. He's the intercessor for us to God. He even died in our place. He did this perfectly. Where we've been tempted and have fallen, where we've been distracted, where we've chased people, where we've, where we've ignored the cries of the mute, where we've re- ignored the, the needs of, of people who can't provide, while we've, while we've overlooked that or numbed ourselves of it or looked past it in, in some way to deal with it, he took it on fully, on, on himself. And models perfectly what we find in Proverbs 31, verses 1 through 9. This is a mother teaching her son how to walk into the fullness of the office that he was going to hold. Mamas, thank you. Thank you for opening your mouth. Thank you for teaching us how to pray. Thank you for teaching us how to read our Bibles. Thank you for teaching us how to forgive. Thank you for teaching us to avoid subtle temptations in the way of the crowd. Thank you for teaching us to resist the way of the culture. For teaching us to eat our vegetables. I say teaching. If you don't have kids, it doesn't look like this is a vegetable. It's of the carnivorous, what's, what's broccoli? Carnivorous? Whatever Oshimago said. It's of that family. 
It's green and leafy and it's really good for you. No, it doesn't look like that. It's like, eat your vegetables. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for coming alongside of the Holy Spirit and guiding us. And, and for every place and every area of your heart that you feel like you've failed, forgive yourself. <laughs> I know mama guilt's real. Mommy guilt is real, right, Rosa? Nobody wants to really agree. But that mama guilt, the places where you're like, man, I should have done this, I should have done that. That's why we dedicate our children to the Lord. The best we can do is what we can do, and that's why we're dependent on God. Because all we can do is what we can do. And what our kids need is more than what we can do. When we partner with the Holy Spirit in this, He's able to do what we're unable to. And see our young people rise up and grow into everything that He wants for them.